business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. This is Avi K. This is the Avi on Money Show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's just about to go 10 minutes past 12. And I'm just going to quickly read out for you something that I found on Wikipedia, just to give context to what we're going to be discussing. It states like this, that in the, 20, the 2021 South African unrest, also known as the Zuma unrest or the Zuma riots, was a wave of civil unrest that occurred in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng provinces from the 9th to the 18th of July 2021, sparked by the imprisonment of the former president, Jacob Zuma, for contempt of court. Resulting protests against the conservation triggered wider rioting and looting. Much of it has been was it taken, undertaken by people who did not support Zuma and fueled by job layoffs, economic inequality, and worsened by the COVID-19 pandemic. The unrest began in the province of KwaZulu-Natal on the evening on the 9th of July and spread to the province of Gauteng on the evening of the 11th of July. And it was the worst violence that South Africa had experienced since the end of apartheid. Most of us think back to that time, and it's almost a blip on the radar. It was a little bit unpleasant. You couldn't go to Durban if you're going on holiday. People couldn't get up. Goods were a little bit delayed. Um, we know that the country suffered. The, the GDP definitely took a bit of a knock from it. But most of us sort of shrugged it off. And uh, if you lived in the area, your, your few shops weren't available. They were rebuilt you know, in a couple of months thereafter. And life went on. But there were certain companies that were in the thick of it, and there were certain organizations that were right there that nearly died during that. And I say an economic death. On the line with me is Clinton Holcroft, who's the CEO, CEO of Circo. Clinton, welcome to High FM. This morning uh, to you, Avi, and to the readers out there, I hope everybody's safe after all the rains and floods that we've had. I think KZN is certainly having its share of challenges in that lately. You, know, you remind me, I was a student in Israel um, many, many, many years ago, and they had some floods. And I was talking to some shopkeeper who was like up to her ankles in water. And I said, it's a shame, look at all this water. And she turned around and said to me, what do you mean shame? It's a blessing. We've got abundant blessing. So yeah, sometimes you've just got to, it depends on where you're looking at it. But if your house has been destroyed, I suppose it is a challenge. Clinton, let's get into the meat of it. At the end of the day, you guys at Circo were really badly affected by what I just read out there. Tell us how you found out about it, how you woke up to the news and how you dealt with it. Yeah, so I think that like most people, you know, the first reaction was disbelief to see what was going on here in KZN. To see people's livelihoods being decimated by the looting was one thing. But I think as a business owner, to see the destruction and burning that ensued was devastating. The, reali the reality is that, you know, rebuilding damaged infrastructure takes time. And in yes. business, if, if you aren't able to service your customers effectively, they find other solutions. And that could mean, you know, losing business to other provinces, or it could mean losing business to global players that step in. Um, so some businesses you know, we saw just didn't open. I mean, for us, 
servicing the transport industry that affects people distributing food. A lot of those guys literally were, were the target of a lot of the riots and looting that took place. So huge impact there for our clients. And, and when that infrastructure is damaged, they just don't need vehicles. So, um, so that was our direct impact. I think as a president for entrepreneurs organization at Durban, a lot of our members also were impacted and either were directly burnt, their factories were burnt down. Um, so huge devastation that took place here in KZN. I think we all were, were certainly disbelief relating to that. Clinton, when you woke up to the news and now as CEO, you had to sort of navigate the ship through totally uncharted waters. What is your first thought that went through your mind when you woke up in the morning and came to the office or faced your, the reality? What was your predominant thought at the time? So I think my first concern was actually relating to a lot of my staff. You know, how are they being impacted? Is everybody still going to be safe and, 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 and able to, you know, so I think when it comes down to that, we're really getting to the basics of, are we going to have a business that we can, can get to? We've got cameras, live cameras, and we were checking onto those cameras every few hours because we couldn't actually get to our factory. Um, here in Phoenix Industrial Park. So we were looking on the cameras to see whether we were still going to have a factory and, and certainly a lot of concern for our staff. Sure. So that's obviously the, the human capital, the people that really make things happen you know, is, is the most important thing. When it came to the crux and you realized that your factory wasn't going to open and you had no idea when it was going to open, what contingency plans did you put in place? So... In terms of contingencies, I think that um, there wasn't a lot that we could do to start with, but certainly um, after the, the riots had been pretty much settled down, it was to get out to the factory and meet with some of our team and see what sort of damage and devastation had been done. Um, I think that, you know, to some extent, apart from, from the, the chaos on that that ensued, we were fairly fortunate that our factories were not burnt down. There had been damage, there had been looting in the industrial park and, and, and you know, certainly from that perspective, it was pretty hectic. But for us as a business, the, the first objective was to see how quickly could we get back into a normal kind of mode and regroup and, and move forward with, with delivering for our clients and, and seeing what support was needed out there for, for the transport industry to get everything back and moving because certainly stores needed to be replenished. People were battling with food. There were shortages in that there. So our first priority was to see what, what help do our customers need and how do we help? I know that certain clients like Bitvest and that that have got vehicles and that were basically bringing their vehicles through one at a time to do whatever damage and that was needed so that everything could be back up and running to replenish stores and put food back on the shelves. So it was really about just sort of containing the damage, assessing what it was and going forward. Did you ever turn around at some stage and say, hold on, we need to cut back. Well, I, need to, I, need to, I need to protect the bottom line. In other words, those, um, those staff that was sort of maybe temporary, those overheads that we could, not, we could do without, did you look at cutting immediately or was that not part of the thought process? So that wasn't part of the immediate uh, thought. I think for us, you know, what we saw was, um, you know, that a lot of clients held back on placing orders. Um, there was some work that was generated as a result of 
the vehicles that had been burned, the guys put in claims through Sassery on that and, and vehicles needed to be replaced. But that was certainly far less than the normal workload that we would see around that period. And as the months progressed, you know, we get to that end of year period, which is normally a peak period where retailers and transporters gear up for the festive season. And we pretty much saw that the guys were making do with the vehicles they had and that they were not going to be replacing a lot of vehicles. So that end of year period, October, November, December, which is normally a, a peak period for us, literally just didn't materialize. And, and that's where it really dawned on us that this was going to have longer, longer term repercussions than just the, the cleanup mess um, and get back to normal thereafter. And, and I think further what we saw was that coming into January and February this year, that the order book was the lowest we've seen since 2008. Um, and that was when there was a global financial crisis going on. So, you know, we attribute a lot of that to the aftermaths of what happened with the KZN riots here on top of the businesses and that that were really stressed by the COVID impact for the last two years of having to operate with a lot of restrictions and, and challenges, um, and likewise for our staff as well. Thank you, because that's, that's really what I was building up to. I just really wanted exactly what you did to paint the scenario where a couple of days or a couple of weeks of rioting doesn't just start and end. The tale goes on for a long, long time thereafter, so much so that those people who would repair, replace, upgrade didn't do it because they simply didn't have the cash flow or they didn't have the orders. And therefore, the impact is just has this sort of... Um, transitional effect onto everything else. In terms of we need to take a quick break and run to the shops. Please just bear with us for a second and we're going to go to adverts. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. And on the line with me is Clinton Holcroft, who's the CEO of Circo. Clinton, so before we went to, to the break, you really painted the scenario so nicely and yet so bleakly that... Um, the, the riots happened for a period of time, and yet the tale continued thereafter. And that's really what I was trying to understand from you. As a business owner, cash flow is king. You need to make sure that you've got enough cash coming in, you've got enough work, people are paying for you. If your order book is thin, you know your cash flow is going to be thin. How does one get through that period without doing the obvious? Short staffing, laying off staff, really hitting the people that need the jobs the most. How did you get through that period? So I think you're nailing it there relating to cash flow and that. And when we came back in January and February this year and we realized that the order book was going to be quite low, it was a case of putting the brakes on all unnecessary expenditure. So for us, that was looking at what stock levels we had and uh, it looked at what uh, consumables were being used in our business and to really try and limit that as much as possible. Um, using up our stock levels, uh, minimizing expenses, um, really helped carry us through that January, February period when there was very little work on the go. And as orders started picking up in March, you know, so we could start loosening our grip on our control over our expenses. But that's the only way that we could go through um, and keep the ship sailing, basically. But then you've got the, always got the juggle that you using your depleting stock and you're just always hoping that your ship's going to come into harbor and that big order is going to come. 
Now you've got to place order for stock and everybody's done the same thing. So the delay gets lengthened, but that's the risk I suppose that everybody takes. Yes, I think that, you know, this period of turbulence that we've had um, has stress tested our people and our systems and where we found weaknesses, we've had to go to work to strengthen those up. And certainly cost control is probably one of the big areas that, you know, even we thought that we had good control, but you can always tighten up further, ensuring you've got accurate bill of materials for the parts that are issued and ensuring that there's no wasted expenditure. But it's a constant learning process. And, you know, as a management team, that's key. Um, but for me, I think also being part of an organization like Entrepreneurs Organization, EO Durban, um, which is a global network uh, focused around learning and growth. It, it's really helpful to be part of a network where you can learn from other business owners and, and try and see what, what ideas in that are, are out there. And sure, those sort of ways of experience shares are really critical to ensuring business success out there. Now, Clinton, I'm, I'm sure we would all agree that events like this do wonders for our business in the long run. We all hope and pray that we never have to go through them. But often um, it's the only time that we actually get time to tighten and shore up certain things that otherwise we just, in the routine day of business, we wouldn't get to it. So it's these crisis moments that give us this opportunity to tidy up. Yeah, I agree with that. I think these crises certainly you have to get focused on what's important. I mean, it's so easy to get busy in all the different things that are going on. But when there's a crisis that's going on, like the KZN crisis that happened last year and this COVID that's happened, and now there's, there's flooding and stuff, um, it really got us focused on what are the top two or three things that we need to be doing. And for us, apart from the cost control, it was ensuring that our service delivery, our product offering, the value that we're creating for our clients is actually seriously tangible and, and, and communicated properly to our clients. And, and I think that for us, going into March with a fairly low order book that was carried through from a tough year last year, we were quite we were successful in securing a nice order from Imperial Logistics, which has set us up nicely for the next few months. And we're really grateful about that. And that wouldn't have happened if we weren't really getting our basics right and delivering good value for our clients. And if you get cut back so heavily on capital equipment that you weren't able to fulfill the order. So it's just a matter of sort of weathering the storm. Absolutely. And, and I think for us, we there is that that attraction to cut back completely on, on capital equipment and, and to not invest in the business. But for us, in fact, we wanted to really focus on where could we invest in our business that would help us reduce costs in the long run. And so we've invested in some new steel processing machinery. And we see that as a way of getting better control over our supply chain and to be able to take some cost out and help make us more resilient coming out of this crisis going forward. And before we go to Ukraine, which is something that's on everybody's mind and definitely impacts everybody in one way or another, I just want to go you know, a little bit further on the point that we were discussing now. As, as a, a business mentor, if you were talking in a forum and people said to you, we've got this challenge because we've had these riots, our order book is thin, some of our vehicles aren't moving, but we need to do certain maintenance. Vehicles need to have services, things that are broken need to be repaired. Do we do it or don't we do it? What, what would your advice be around that? So look, I think like, like anything, if you've got 
a repair and a replacement cycle, there is a bit of flexibility that you can have there. But it's, if you delay replacing old equipment, you end up with a negative of, of unreliable equipment and breakdowns and possibly unexpected high maintenance costs that crop up. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a balancing act. You know, sometimes when the cash flow is tight, you have to do the best of just stretching what you have and getting that equipment to, to continue. But I, I certainly don't believe if, if you don't do a structured maintenance program around your equipment, you can impact the safety. And, you know, that's an area that you, you literally cannot compromise on. You've got to ensure that you're doing the basics properly at all times. Right, Clinton, let's go to the topic that's I think all of us go to bed with a heavy heart about every night. I don't think any of us believe that we would see this in our lifetime. Syria was something almost remote, almost, you know, sort of, you could ignore it. Unfortunately, maybe that was our attitude. But when it comes to, your, your, to, your, to Ukraine, where a sovereign state has been invaded by a bully, um, and people have literally been massacred. Is something that comes out of a medieval horror movie. It's just unbelievable. But practically, you down there in Durban, you there by the port, you're dealing with entrepreneurs. How's the war in, you, in Ukraine affecting South African business? So global economies have become very linked. You know, some sort of crisis happening in one part of the world impacts in other parts. And I mean, we've seen that very much with COVID, how it's impacted uh, availability of, of parts and shipping lead times and that. So certainly any sort of major conflict and crisis creates uncertainty. And with uncertainty, you get volatility and it gets really hard as a business to plan going forward. The immediate one has been the impact of the oil price pushing up fuel prices. And Literally here in South Africa, I mean, we have large distances to transport product and that. So fuel prices immediately impact your already stressed consumer and businesses are also been taking a hammering. The other part of it is, is raw material shortages. So last year, there was a lot of volatility in steel prices. We saw increases as much as 65% in certain items. So that volatility makes it really hard to, to manage and maintain your business profitably. So that crisis going on in Ukraine, sure, it's, it's, it, it just creates that disturbance um, with shortages of parts and it prolongs an already challenging trading condition out there. It certainly, you know, it just highlights to me how damaging these conflicts can be, whether they're here at home or whether they're overseas in terms of creating a business environment that can create growth and prosperity for everybody. The war no, really, yeah. So you've already, obviously you've hit a raw nerve talking about your first concern being your staff. There's a few SMSs that have come in and the one from Simpiwe wants to know, I would love to start a business in South Africa. I've been a financial director to companies but my concern is the labor legislation and the difficulty of managing staff in South Africa. Is that a reason not to start a business? So there are lots of challenges with starting a business and maintaining it successfully into the future. Um, the, the labor regulations and that, I think, do create further challenges and 
as a business owner, we have to be optimistic. We have to find the opportunities and, and look to create that future that we want. Um, I, I, I think that for me, being part of that entrepreneurs organization network has really been useful to, to share experiences and learn from others. But um, the, the labor reg regulations are just one of many challenges that you're going to have in terms of running a successful business. But yeah, creating jobs um, is, is certainly something that we need stability going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people need to, you know, if you're in South Africa and you can create jobs, labor regulations is just like tax. It's just like bookkeeping. You need to get the right people in and you need to have the right support. And if that's done correctly, then you can simply move forward. Tell us a little bit about Serco. It's, it's a name that I think a lot of people will now recognize from driving on the road, seeing it on the backs of trucks. But what do you guys actually do? What's the history and what's your plans for the future? So, um, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I think, like you say, if you're driving on the roads and you look at a, a truck body or a trailer driving around, you'll often see that blue Serco label on the back doors or on the side. And we manufacture the complete trailer chassis and the, the refrigerated or dry freight box that goes on the back of that, um, whether it's a trailer or whether it's a truck body that goes on the back of a truck chassis. And it covers a wide range of uh, transport-oriented uh, vehicles from refrigerated and perishable foods to courier-type products and dry goods. Our business was started 40 years ago by my father as a startup basically in our garage, and it grew into a business that is, is now flourishing with our head office here and our roots firmly in KZN. We've got branches in Johannesburg, uh, Cape Town, and Kekweba. And we, yeah, we, we specialize as a, a vehicle manufacturing company. Clinton, at the end of the day, the rail infrastructure in South Africa has crumbled to some extent. You know, um, you know, I, when I was a youngster, definitely most goods were moved by train. Today, most goods are moved by road. Um, do you see that? trend remaining and that road transport will still be the major mover of goods in South Africa? Certainly, I feel that the, the road transport is, is a key uh, way of, of distributing everything. You know, whether it's even now we're seeing there's home deliveries of products, there's bulk moving of products between the provinces and from the ports and that. Um, so I, I certainly think that road transport is always going to be a, a key artery for this economy going forward. And yeah, so being part of that for us, we're really proud to be servicing the transport industry and, um, and, seeing, and, and hopefully seeing this economy grow into the future. Okay. I just got a personal question that I want to ask you. Um, and I don't, I don't think I mentioned to you up front, but I'm actually sitting in Israel at the moment doing this interview. And if you look on the roads here, 50% of the cars are either electric or hybrid. And there's more and more coming out all the time. There's names that I've never heard of that are arriving. And, and that's really the way to go. I was just went, uh, I walked home last night and I saw a guy was charging his car in the road. So he's got the cable coming out of his, his house, across the pavement, the charger's lying on the street. 
And there it is. And I thought, yeah, in South Africa, that would never last. It would, uh, you know, obviously somebody will help themselves to it. But over here, that can happen. In the transport industry, how far are you guys away to moving to hybrids and electric trucks? So we've certainly seen these hybrid and electric trucks have been around for a while now. You know, here in South Africa, the infrastructure development is going to take quite a while to get off the ground. I think it's exciting times coming in future where we'll see this. And, and I, I think that we're all mindful of creating a greener economy out there. Um, you know, we have to really look to the future that this is the way to go. I think here in South Africa, we've seen already a lot of people incorporating solar onto their vehicles to, to run the, the tail lifts and some of the refrigeration equipment. So I can't see it come fast enough, but it is going to take time to develop that infrastructure. But yeah, I, I feel exciting times uh, over the next 10 or 20 years. Do you feel that with, a, with lower dependency on fuel, that'll bring a lower cost across the entire chain to the consumer? Yes, I think that as this technology becomes more widely embraced, costs come down tremendously. And I, I think it's, it's a trend that is definitely growing. Unfortunately, you know, I think we will still be reliant on fossil fuels for quite a while. But um, yeah, I, 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 I see already with, with vehicles and that, um, we are probably a little bit behind the curve in terms of where Europe and that is, but more and more vehicles are coming out and the performance of that equipment is getting better and better. So hopefully South Africa can benefit from that global spread as it happens. Fantastic. Clinton, thank you so much for your time. Everything of the best with the future and thanks for joining us. Avi, thanks very much. And to the KZN uh, people here, I hope we see lots of blue sky coming after all the rain. Thank you. Fantastic. Good. Craig, thanks for pushing the buttons. We'll see you next week.